All right. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? You guys excited? I am absolutely thrilled. Are you excited? Okay. It's going to be great. I am looking forward to what God is going to do in this class today. Uh, let's just go ahead and buy heads and pray, and then uh, we'll get going here in just a bit. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your desire to to know us and for us to know you. And I pray that as we go through this class, that's exactly what will happen, that we will draw closer to you and you will to us, and that we will get to know you intimately, know the Holy Spirit, who he is, and the gifts that he has allowed to operate in our lives. I pray that each and every single one of us will discover something new about ourselves and know the mandate and the call that is upon our lives and that you have set us up for such a time as this to be effective within our communities, to be effective within our world, and to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. We honor you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So some housekeeping. Uh, you should have received your handbook. If you didn't, Tommy is handing them out. Um, and you should make sure you have a copy. If you can help by scooting all the way to the end so that the people that are coming in don't have to act like they're in a plane and excuse me and all that good stuff. So um, just help some folks out by moving in. It's it's a almost a full class, which is amazing. We praise the Lord for that. Um, you guys are in for a wonderful, wonderful treat. Now, I started understanding the working of the Holy Spirit when I was uh, in my 20s. And during that time, the teachers that were teaching uh, the subject topic of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of those teachers that was teaching it at that time is our very own Pastor Ken. So you have an opportunity to learn about the Holy Spirit, who he is, and the gifts that he has uh, made available to us and how they can operate in your life. Now, I encourage you to take notes in your in your handbook. Now, because I believe that it shouldn't start and end in here, you do have homework. Somebody say, yay. Okay. So the homework is pretty simple. At the end of each session, there's some questions on there. There's four questions. One of them is bolded. The bolded one is the one that I want you to respond to. So you can email your response to discipleship at newsongpeople.com. That's where you email the response on the bolded question. If you want extra credit, not that I'm giving them, you can send answers to the other ones also. So be in that attitude of learning and just give us this next four Sundays and be in an attitude of learning and just answering those questions because they are thought-provoking and are causing you to figure out how can I go deeper and learn more about what I am learning. Okay, so just be aware that there is that and we would encourage you to participate in that. Um, have I left out anything? Okay, without much further ado, Pastor Ken. Tight, tight. Good morning, everybody. Come on, but you can do better than that. Awesome. We're gonna have a good time. I, I, I tell you what, we're gonna talk about is so uh, cool. It's it's like my favorite subject, and uh, the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about the gifts of the Spirit in these classes in the next four weeks. And uh, if you, I, I noticed that we got a lot of room to take notes. So I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture. Okay, I want to back up everything I say with scripture. So get ready to write these scriptures down. I'm going to read some. Some I'll just give you the reference point uh, and then study later, right? Um, the Holy Spirit is such a deep subject that you need to, 
yeah, write down things and, and uh, so you can notate that. So let's begin. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for the wonderful Holy Spirit that you have gifted the church with. You've given us the Holy Spirit that we may be empowered and edified and strengthened to carry out your plan for us here on the earth. And we give you thanks for helping us communicate these principles. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's begin this way. Uh, read you a couple of things. God loves us so much. He not only wants you to go to heaven when you die. And how many are excited about that? We're going to heaven. But our wonderful, loving, heavenly Father also has provided us a treasure trove of gifts to give you now. Everybody say now. For the rest of your stay on the earth. The Holy Spirit is here to help us. He is the great helper to carry out the plan of God for our lives. And there's nothing like, you know, we're talking about gifts. There's nothing like Christmas is coming, right? And I'm sure, uh, in, in fact, I'll even throw this question out. Is there anybody in here that has already started Christmas decorations? Yeah, hand nearly went up. Okay. So, okay, you're not yet. Some people do early, you know, like this is October the 2nd. And we will start in, in my house, I'm sure, very soon. Um, and I'll put that off a few weeks if I can. But anyway, this is what happens. You know, in Christmas, we begin to anticipate it. And you go through Thanksgiving, and, you know, and then you're thinking about it. And then the decorations go up, and presents begin to be put under the tree. And, and everybody likes gifts, right? And so we look at these presents, and at our... At our tree, we've got grandchildren and children, and we got two great-grandchildren now. So we have a lot of gifts under the tree, and they grow and they grow. But then comes the day that you go to the presents, and you take them, and you unwrap them, right? And there's nothing like opening up that gift because that is yours. That's what somebody wanted you to have. And that's the, that's the way the Holy Spirit is. God has given us this wonderful gift called the Holy Spirit who wants to help us and empower us and do great things in us for the kingdom of God. When we got saved, we got gifts. These gifts are spiritual. But just because they're spiritual doesn't mean they're not real. Because the spiritual world is the unseen world, but it's really the more real world. The spiritual world where God lives is the parent to the world we live in now. And when you are born of the Spirit, there are distinctive gifts that God gives to us. The body of Christ collectively is to walk just like Jesus did when he was here with the same power. You ought to write that down. Let me say it again. The body of Christ, that's us, that's the church. The functioning church alive on the earth. We are to walk just like Jesus did when he was here with the same power. God wants to uh, empower us. You know, and, and for a lot of, unfortunately, for a lot of people going to church this morning, uh, people growing up in, in church, you know, uh, uh, Trudy and I both grew up in separate churches in our little community that we lived in, a town of 800 people. And uh, when Trudy was a little girl, many of you heard her story, but I'll, I'll quickly run through it again. She took a fall when she was three years old. It triggered a birth defect, and it caused her eyes to cross and her vision to be impaired. So she's growing up, and she's going to church, and she hears these stories about Jesus and what he did. And here's, what, here's the thing about children. Children are so real, they'll ask real questions, right? And she read the story. She told me, we were just talking about this the other day, of the woman with the issue of blood. And how that that woman went through the crowd, heard about Jesus, went through the crowd, and touched his garment. And when she touched the hem of his garment, she was made whole. She was healed. 
And Trudy said, I'm a little girl, seven, eight years old, and I would hear those stories. But our church believed that all those things had passed away. That when the last apostle died, then all the gifts of the Spirit, everything related to the Holy Spirit, passed away. And now we don't have those things anymore. Her church taught that. And she said, I wish I could have been alive when Jesus was, was here. I wish I, I because I would have come through that crowd. She thought about that. I would have pressed through the crowd. I would have dodged the people. I would have walked up, and when I touched him, Jesus would have healed my eyes just like he did then. But I want you to know, Jesus still does today everything that he did during the time he walked the earth. He still heals. He still fills people with the Spirit. He still does the miraculous. In fact, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are greatly hindered. I believe that's why the devil wants to make us in our thinking religious, where we just kind of are this, you know, religious people. And so many people are in the world like that right now. But let me tell you this. If you're a Christian, there is a hunger in your soul to know God and to know his power, to connect with him, to walk with him, right? Because that's the way it's supposed to work. So many Christians never take part of what we're talking about this morning of the unwrapping of these gifts. So this class is all about instructing us on how to discover and unwrap these gifts that have been given to us. So in the next four weeks, we're going to talk about the three categories of spiritual gifts. So you want to write these down. Three categories. Number one, we're going to talk about the ministry gifts. What the Bible says about the ministry gifts. What is that? These are the instructive gifts. These are the gifts that God puts into people to equip us for service, to equip the church for service. The ministry gifts. Number two, uh, we're going to talk about the motivational gifts. The instinctive gifts are the gifts that are, these are gifts that God put in you at birth, particular giftings and leanings that you have, and they, they are natural gifts that God wires people with. You are wired for particular things in your life, and everybody's wired just a little bit differently. Isn't that amazing? You know, just like we're all individual people, they tell us there's like over 7 billion approaching 8 billion people on the earth right now. And isn't it incredible that all 7 plus billion have particular fingerprints? Everybody's got a different fingerprint, right? Did you know you have a different voice print? You can be recognized by your voice print. God makes everybody a little bit different. You may look like somebody a little bit. You ever had somebody tell you you look like somebody else? I've been told before that I look like an, an actor named James Caan. You know who that is? He passed away. He, uh, he was in The Godfather, uh, if, if you saw that. More recently, he was in Elf. Ah, yeah, the lights came on. <laughs> so maybe I do. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. They are. You were too young for The Godfather. Thank you, Bobby. Um, but uh, uh, where, where was I? <laughs> but, but listen, I'm not James Conn, okay? I was told one time I was in a grocery store, and I just preached in a church, and I was walking through the store, and, and a guy stops me and said, hey, man, you look just like Jack Nicholson. I said, Jack Nicholson? Oh, no. And so anyway, I don't know. But we're not. We're all different. Isn't that amazing? Everybody's unique in their own, the way we look, not a, but not only that, in your gifting. You have a gifting and a way of doing things that is totally unique to you, and God did that. He makes people like that. So, motivational gifts. Then the spiritual gifts. We're going to break down the spiritual gifts. Uh, these are empowering gifts. 
These are supernatural gifts and uh, giftings that God has given us as the church to carry out his business, empowered to do things to overcome uh, the devil, right? So the ministry gifts will be discussed in a couple of weeks, but we're going to jump into the ministry gifts, or excuse me, the motivational gifts will be, will be discussed in a couple of weeks. But we're going to get into the ministry gifts this morning. All these gifts we're talking about come from the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? The Holy Spirit was on the earth in Genesis chapter 1 in creation. He has always been here. He is a part of the Godhead. God said, let us make man in our own image, right? Remember that phrase? Let us make man. Who is the us? That's plural, right? That's the threefold Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's like a family. God is the dad, right? Uh, Jesus is the son, and the Holy Spirit is not, he's, he's male, he's not a female, and yet a lot of the attributes of the Holy Spirit are like a lady, like a woman. The tenderness of the Holy Spirit, he's a counselor. He's a comforter. There's nobody that can comfort like, like mama, right? So we see that God in himself is like a family. And the Holy Spirit is part of the family. He was present in the entire history of the Bible. In the Old Testament, the anointing of the Holy Spirit and his work were restricted to certain people. God only had dealings, first of all, with the nation of Israel because he had a covenant with Abraham. But the anointing of God after the fall could only come on particular people that he dealt with in the old testament the prophets were anointed to carry out their job they were the spokesman for god of that time the priests walked in an anointing to carry out the uh the tabernacle in the temple uh worship that was carried out primarily the high priest was the most anointed some but not all of the kings had an anointing david was an anointed king saul had an anointing but he relinquished it but back in the Old Testament, before Jesus, the anointing of the Holy Spirit could only come on a select few, but he would also leave. He would just come and he would go. Psalm 51, verse 11, write that down in your notes. David makes this statement. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why was he praying that? Because the Holy Spirit, again, he would come and he would go. He would come to empower for a particular time and purpose, but then he would leave. But the New Testament, something different happened. And uh, the, a new thing was promised and prophesied in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. You taking notes? Be sure and write all these things down. Joel 2, 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So this is prophesied that God's going to do something different. And the anointing of the spirit is not going to just be on a select few, but the anointing of the spirit is going to be for everybody. And not only everybody, but look at this, every age group. We have sons and daughters. We have old men. I like that. I'm not a young man as I used to be. Okay, so that's me. Uh, you're young men, so if you're young, you shall see visions. On maid servants and men servants, I think that's talking about the attitude that you have to have if you're going to be anointed of the Holy Spirit. You have to have an humble attitude. You have to have a servant heart, right? Amen. So this prophecy speaks of a day when the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all people, and that happened when Jesus came. Jesus came and ushered in a change in the Holy Spirit's operation. 
And Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit in his ministry. John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, 7, if you're looking these up on your phone or your device, you have a paper, paper Bible, I'm going to read this. Uh, Nevertheless, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I would depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying it's to your advantage that I'm going away. What? I'm sure the disciples went, wait a minute. What? Yeah, no. I mean, because Jesus was the anointed one, right? He was different than anybody else. There was this power on him. There was this wisdom on him. Uh, people were healed. Uh, food got multiplied. Great miracles were happening. And it's better for you that, that I go away than if I were still here. You know why that is? Because Jesus, when he was here on the earth, was relegated to a body, one body. And, and that body could only be in a particular place at a particular time. But the Holy Spirit, when he came, he's not relegated to a body. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. Listen, if, it, if, if all the anointing was still on Jesus and we had to line up to, to reach Jesus, the, it would be horrible. The line would be worse than Disney World ever thought about I mean, we're talking about a line, but now the Holy Spirit has come to distribute that power, and the Holy Spirit does that by anointing people to carry out His work. People like you and me. Everybody say, you and me. Isn't that exciting? So Jesus makes this declaration. In the day of the resurrection, Jesus had gone to heaven to present His blood to the Father. After He died and was rose again, He appeared to His disciples later that evening, and showed them the scars of his suffering as proof that he was truly resurrected. So John 20, verse 21, says this. So Jesus said to them again. He appears in the room. In fact, he walked through the wall, which is pretty cool. And he could do that because he had a resurrected body. One of these days, we're going to get a resurrected body ourselves. Think about that. And will we be able to walk through walls? Well, I just know we will. And if, if we're not, I'm going to bust through. But I, I'm going to try that anyway, right? <laughs> but Jesus walks through the wall, which was exciting, and said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father, he said that because I'm sure it freaked them out. Peace. Get, settle down, guys. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them <sighs> and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit if you forgive the sins of any. They are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So the Holy Spirit was breathed on them, and I believe that's a point when they were saved and received Christ. I believe they, they got saved that day because the breath, the Holy Spirit, the breath of the Holy Spirit. Remember when Adam was created? God took the dust of the ground, and the Scripture says he breathed into this dirt the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. Well, when Adam sinned, you know, they didn't stop breathing naturally. But what happened was they stopped breathing spiritually. That life was taken away. But Jesus comes and says, hey, it's come back. And now people that are born again, anybody that receives Christ, the breath of God gives you a brand new heart. You get born again. The dead party, you were dead unto God. We're alive in our flesh. We're alive in our mind. But we were all dead unto God in our spirit. But Jesus came not only to revive your old spirit. He gave you a brand new spirit. It's, it, it, he's alive in you. That's the point they were born again. But there is a separate experience to, to, available to all people 
who have been born again called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you are born again, the Holy Spirit indwells you. He comes to live on the inside of you. Remember in the Old Testament, he would come and go. He would, he would land on people. He would light on them, if you will, however you want to say that. But then he would leave. But when we get saved now because of Jesus and what he did, now the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit fills you to the point of overflow. It is a separate experience just like water baptism is separate, you know, we, we get saved, that's an experience, and then we get water baptized, that's another experience. Well, another experience is when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about, Pastor Kim? Well, I have a way to illustrate that. I've got my little pitcher and glass here. It's like this is God, right, in my pitcher. And you profess Jesus, you believe in your heart that he died on the cross, that he was raised from the dead, and you confess that. And God comes to live on the inside of you. You are born of the Spirit. You are born again of the water of the Holy Spirit, right? But then there's a separate, the Holy Spirit's in you. He's there. He's right there in you. Supernatural. Isn't that awesome? He's really there. Sometimes we're so not aware of that because we're in the natural. But He is in you. He lives on the inside of you. But then there's another experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told His disciples at that time, to go wait for the promise of the Father, to wait in Jerusalem for this promise, for when you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. That's what he said in Acts chapter 8. So they waited on the day of Pentecost, and then the Holy Spirit came into the earth, or came into to, uh, the upper room where they were staying, and they began to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then it began to overflow. You see that? There we go. Water's running everywhere. And it came out of them. They were filled to the point of overflow what is the overflow what well here's the sign of an overflow you get a new language whenever you receive the holy spirit you get to pray in this wonderful language that's a sign when you get full something's got to come out right just like the water something had to come something had to give well when you are filled with the holy spirit something has to give too you get to pray in this wonderful language that god gives you that language is not the holy spirit and you say well pastor ken can you be filled with the holy spirit without that language i think you probably can but if you have received the baptism of the holy spirit you get to speak in this language okay you say everybody yes everybody i believe everybody uh can pray in this language we'll talk more about that later we're going to play plow that out in some later sessions but let's keep going here so the holy spirit has filled them up on the day of pentecost acts chapter 1 verse 4 they being assembled together with them he commanded them not to depart from jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father, which you had, he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, not many days from now. So Jesus' resurrection opened up the door for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. That good? And why? Verse 8, Acts 1-8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Everybody say power. That Greek word for power, there's the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. Write that down in your notes. Dunamis equals dynamite. What does dynamite do? It blows stuff up. Dynamite destroys the works of the devil in your life. You have authority over anything the devil is bringing against you, and you have been empowered to stand against it. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And then not only that, but you have the, you have the ability now to, to minister this to other people. 
and tell them about it and get them filled and get them saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was then and is now the introduction for living a Spirit-filled life. That's what it's all about. Let's say it this way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the door and entry point for living a Holy Spirit life. God wants us to be different. He wants us to, to not only pray, but to get our prayers answered. And that happens because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter, whenever he got up and preached that day, because there was a lot of confusion, because people were speaking all these languages. And this was happening during the Feast of Pentecost in Israel. So at that time, people came into Jerusalem from all over the country. They were required to come to Pentecost. And it was a time where they would celebrate for days and celebrate uh, the things of God. And uh, so the Holy Spirit's poured out. 120 people began to pray and be filled with the Spirit and speak in different languages. And people didn't understand them. And understand this, there were people from different regions of, of Israel and even from other countries that had come there. Some of them heard things in their own languages. Some of them didn't. So there's a lot of confusion. People are going, hey, what's going on here? And it was so confusing. Somebody says, these people are talking. They're, they're, they're drunk. And, and, and somebody says, no, they can't be drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And so, I, you know, I don't ever get drunk before 9 o'clock in the morning. And no, I don't, I don't get drunk. That's a, that's a joke. But... Uh, but so, so Peter gets up to give definition as to what is happening. And he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, which we just read, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out and all people that are filled with the Spirit will be able to speak in these languages. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Turn there in your Bible. We will talk about this for a minute. So the Holy Spirit was poured out that day. And what was the result? Acts chapter 4, verse 7. And Paul is talking here, and he's teaching on um, the gifts of God, if you will. And in spe and specifically, he's going to get into the ministry gifts, which we're going to zero in on, on, on this morning. And so uh, Ephesians 4, 7. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Isn't that good to know? Each one of us. Each one of us. This is not just for a select few. This is not for a, for a little uh, exclusive club. How many don't like exclusive clubs? I don't like that. Do you like that? No, I like things that and God is saying, this is for anybody that will believe it. Now, that's the key to anything you get from God. You've got to believe him. And, uh, and the word of God gives us definition on what we are to believe. And if it's written in the Bible, listen, you can have it. Isn't that good to know? So he's given each one of us a special gift. Verse 8, that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended up to the heights, he led a crowd of captives uh, and gave gifts or, if you will, presents to his people. We're talking about gifts. He gave gifts unto people. Uh, once again, the trigger that must be pulled for the full manifestation of any of these gifts to the fullest is God giving us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Once again, we're going to talk about that later on. We're going to talk about how to receive that. And we're probably going to give you an opportunity to receive that if you want to. So, but that's, that's coming later. But this morning, we're talking about the ministry gifts. We're going to deal with just the ministry gifts. So let's keep reading Ephesians 4.10. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. This is talking about Jesus. When he died, he went down 
and he took our sin and he really died graveyard dead for three days right but he ascended and he not only came back from the dead but then he ascended and went in went up into heaven but once again he didn't leave us alone here are the ministry gifts verse 11 and he gave and he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers why for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying or the word edifying here means the building up or the uh, 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 another cool way to look at this word is the, the term edify think about an edifice an edifice is something that's built from the ground up strong like a a, a building i was just in san francisco last week san francisco's i, I learned this san francisco's got a twice the downtown size of new york city i didn't know that but it is huge and they've got edifices all over that downtown that are tall buildings and you know that's the way cities are but those things are built so this the holy spirit has given us to build to be that we may be edified that we may be built up and we may build the church to carry out our assignment to reach the world we're all called to do that Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but that means you'll be complete, to a complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So these are callings that God's given us. We are calling these ministry gifts, and they lead, uh, these are ministry positions. And notice this is not something that you can just decide to do. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1229 talks about this i'll plow this out for a minute uh, paul asks are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers are all workers of miracles do all have gifts of healings do all speak with with tongues and this is talking about this is not talking about your prayer language that god gives in every individual this is talking about public tongues we'll talk more about that when we get into the gifts of spirit but do all the question is asked do all do those things do all interpret and uh Notice the question, are all prophets, are all apostles, are all teachers, etc.? And the answer is no, they're not all. Because there are some that are, right? Let's talk about that. These are the ministry gifts that are appointed by Jesus Christ. He's the one who calls these. Jesus alone stands in all five of these ministry gifts. And he himself operated in the fullness of each one. Let's break them down. Uh, first of all, Jesus is an apostle he was the apostle hebrews 3 1 says therefore holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our confession jesus christ jesus is the original apostle okay so we operated as an apostle jesus is a prophet uh matthew 13 57 tells us that so they were offended at him but jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in, in his own house so jesus is a uh, he's a prophet jesus is a pastor john 10 11. i am the good shepherd that's what a pastor is he's a shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep you writing all these references down we're building a case here jesus number four is an evangelist luke 19 10 he said for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost and then lastly jesus is a teacher Matthew 9 35 then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So let's go back to what we read. Some people have these. These are, these are appointments by God. You can't just, I'll, I'll say it this way, you can't just haul off and decide to be one of these. Well, I think it'd be cool to be a prophet, so I'm going to be one. Well, no, it's a calling from God. And, and we have to honor that God calls people, particular ones, to this, these ministries. This is what we call the five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Uh, there are some today that teach the, the apostle and the prophet have passed away. They don't exist anymore. Uh, but that's not Bible. I believe we need all these gifts. Uh, what's the purpose of all these ministry gifts? There are three things that, that are the purpose that we need these gifts. And you're writing all these down, right? Number one, we need the ministry gifts. They equip the universal church. They equip the church. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that a local church has to have all these gifts, but all these, these gifts are in the universal church. And from time to time, we need to be exposed to all these gifts. Uh, so these, the, the functions of these gifts, number one, they perfect or complete mature the saints. Perfect or complete or, or build up or grow up the saints. Number two, so that the saints can be equipped to do the ministry. Some people have read that in the past back to, uh, uh, back to Ephesians 4 and thought, well, okay, the ministry gifts, they equip the saints they uh, edify the body of Christ. They build up. But no, 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 no. The, the uh, ministry gifts are to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Because the ministry gifts can't do all the work of the ministry. Uh, you know, let's take a pastor. Let's take Pastor Josh and Sarah. If they were the, the only ones that did ministry around here, well, they would burn out. And they could only do so much. They need help, right? But they are the ones that help equip the, the saints so we can help them do the work of the ministry. That's the way this thing's laid out to, to work. Um, uh, and then number three, so that the body can be edified or built up. And, and once again, think of a building or an edifice. God wants to build the church. God is building the church all the time. Our particular church, God is building this church. We're growing now numerically. The church is growing. I see people all, I see people this morning. I don't know. There was a day I knew everybody here, but it's hard to do that now. And new people are coming all the time. So not only numerically, but also we want to build people up just not so you're not just a, a, a number in a seat, but so you're equipped to carry out your purpose in life because you are here for a purpose. All of us are. Understand that. God saw fit to have you be born and be alive during this crazy time on planet Earth. And listen, I don't think it's ever been any crazier. I think we are living in a time like none other. But here's the deal. God put you here for now because he believes you can do it. <laughs> he believes in you. Isn't that good to know? God believes in you. In fact, close your eyes right now. I want you to say that. God believes in me. Say that. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. So we need these ministry gifts. These, they're callings of God. Once again, you can't just decide to be one. You must be divinely appointed but there's an anointing that goes with each one of these. And let me just say this. Just because you are a ministry gift doesn't mean you're something on a stick either. Because, you know, I've, sometimes that I've seen that. I've been around a long time. And it's like the preachers are the, I mean, they're the big smart people and everybody else is not. And I, I, I heard a story. In fact, I was just with, with a pastor friend of mine. And there was a guy that was in the ministry. And 
but he started calling himself an ambassador for Christ. And he's, it's kind of like, <laughs> I think he thought he was bigger than the fivefold ministry. He was like really big. And when he would come into a room in a, in a meeting, this is crazy, but he would come in and he had a guy with him that would announce, Ambassador so-and-so has entered the room. <laughs> and he would come in, you know, and uh, listen, we don't want to do things like that around here. <laughs> That's crazy. We want to honor the gifts. There should be an honor, and that's good. But that doesn't mean you're some great thing and better than everybody else. And sometimes that's been communicated. And I just shot that down, didn't I? That's good. So let's break these. Let's dig into these, all right? Let's dig into these. The fivefold ministry. Um, and, and here's a good, good way to remember the fivefold ministry, all right? Uh, think about your hand, right? And so here's your hand, and every finger represents one of the fivefold ministry. And let's start with your thumb. Your thumb is represented of the apostle. You might want to even draw a little hand on your paper if you want to. Don't draw it too big to take up all your, your space. But, but the thumb is the apostle. Now, notice how your thumb is different than the other four. Kind of stands out on its own, right? Sticks out here like that. The apostle is kind of like that. They're, they're different. Uh, uh, apostles are foundation layers. And that's the way they think. And they are, because they are, they have to have a willingness and ability to stand alone by themselves to contend for doctrine. The greatest example of that is the Apostle Paul. And there were times that Paul stood alone. He would oppose things, right? He had to stand for truth in the face of, of contradictory people saying, I don't believe it that way. You know, Paul had to correct a lot of the Judaism that kept trying to, creep back into the church the law you know they try to put people under the law again and paul stand up and say no paul would oppose even we read where he opposed peter and had some disagreement but that's the apostle they have to have the ability to stand alone now the second finger is the the prophet and that's your finger here's what you do with this finger a lot right uh where's where is that great restaurant oh that's right down there it's right over there and a, a, a prophet points to what god is saying for the time he points the direction of God. Uh, what is the Lord really saying for this time? And the, uh, thirdly is the evangelist. Now, that's your middle finger. And notice on most hands, got to be careful with that one. Uh, on most hands, that, not so much mine. I think I'm, yeah, there we go. It sticks up a little bit higher than the rest of them. Right, Brandon? Just a little bit. Notice that middle one. That's, that's a, that speaks to the evangelist. Is usually a guy that has kind of a big personality. They're, they're able to come in. I've, said, I've heard this said about evangelists, when traveling evangelists. They'll come into the church and they'll blow in, blow up, and then they'll blow out. <laughs> and they have the ability to gain the attention of the crowd. And evangelists, I've seen this with the Bible evangelists. And there's really not, I don't know of a lot now. I'm sure there are still some. But evangelists can come in and give you one scripture and say there's a bird flying over in the corner of the room and give an altar call and everybody in the room will come up to get saved they just have this ability to reach people with the gospel and break it down and people like them and they, i don't know that's just the evangelist right you got some of that on you garris i think don't you yeah uh then the the this finger right here the the right before your middle uh fourth finger i don't know what you call it uh but it's your ring finger that's the pastor. What does that mean? He's the one married to the church. And we got to have a pastor. Pastor, Pastors, you know, they're the ones that uh, marry, bury, stay with the sheep, love the sheep through the ups and downs of sheepism. Because sheep can be 
crazy sometimes. We'll talk about more about that later. And then the last one is the teacher, and that's your little finger. And here's the way you can remember that one. That's the one that will go furthest in your ear. And that's a teacher. A Bible, an anointed Bible teacher can take a scripture and begin to break it down, break down a truth. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, how, he, how did he get all that out of that one scripture? It's because that's a gift God gives you. These are all gifts. You can remember them with your hands. So let's break them down a little bit. The apostle. There are different classes and degrees of apostles. And let's explain that. What do you mean by that, Pastor Ken? First of all, the first class of apostle is Jesus. Once again, he is the chief apostle in all fullness, and he stands alone. The word apostle means a sent one or a messenger or a commissioned one. And a lot of times, apostles, apostles can start churches. Uh, yeah, in fact, I, I think if you start a local church from scratch, there's a whole lot of apostle on you. You're, you're walking in that apostle gifting. But apostles are also ones that oversee doctrine, and they want truth above all else. And I got a lot of that in me. I've, I've been a traveling preacher for 20 years. I, I taught kids back in back 20 years before that. Uh, I was in kids' ministry. I was on a kids' TV show. And there's always been something in me that I want the doctrine to be strong. I wrote songs for little kids, and I want to make sure that we're singing about Jesus and the Bible. Uh, I want to make sure that, that the foundation is strong. And when it's not, and when I perceive that maybe we're, somebody's a little off, it just bothers me badly. Because I'm one, I de I, man, I want things to be right. And, and that's a lot the apostle. So Jesus was the first class of apostle, and he stands alone. There's no other first class apostles, right? The second class of apostles are what we call the apostles of the Lamb. And to qualify for this apostleship, you had to see Jesus and be an eyewitness of his ministry. And there were 12 of them, and one of them didn't make it. Uh and uh, Acts 1, 15 through 22 is the account of the apostles coming together and discussing the replacement of Judas because, uh, you know, they understood that now they're, they, these 12 guys, think about it, 11, that weren't such hot rods all the time when we read about them in the Bible were the ones after three and a half years, not very long, Jesus put his ministry in their hands to, to carry it out in the earth. And you look at it, and they did pretty good. And a lot of it was because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. So that's the second class of apostles. The third class is other foundational apostles, including Paul. Uh, Paul is a foundational apostle in the third class. He wrote a large portion of the New Testament. And so today, there are no first, second, and third class apostles. Uh, today, the New Testament canon has been established. It can't be added to or taken away from. You can't, the Bible's not going to be changed, right? Uh, the foundation is laid complete and cannot be changed. So the, the apostle today is the fourth class. And this apostle is now builds the foundation on the foundation of the word of God. Once again, the, 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 uh, an apostle is a foundation layer. The apostle, more than any gift, can operate in all five different other giftings, in, interestingly enough. Uh, he can plant churches. He can be sent to churches. He's a contender for correct doctrine. So the building, the edifice can stand that we've been talking about. He has God-given ability to pastor, nurture, teach, and establish people in the world. And he can be one sent with a message. Trudy and I had a calling for 20 years, and we still operate in this. And our message was family. We went into churches all around the country and other countries. 
and we taught on the foundation of, of marriage and family and, and men and women and how God created this to work, how this is a foundation of the church. And, uh, and so that was our message. Uh, the apostle can also be a missionary, which he travels, which we did that. Uh, apostles are not appointed by men or denominations. They are, first of all, called by God. Write that down. God calls apostles. Uh, and apostles need to be validated and confirmed by other ministry in order to be uh, validated. They have to be validated. This happened in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. I'm going to read this. Uh, Acts 13, 1. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, or that's Paul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Notice they were sent out by people. But it's really the Holy Spirit that sent them out. This was their assignment. They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And notice the, the Scripture says, uh, Paul and Barnabas, whom I called. Uh, one time I was in a service, and Trudy and I were just getting rolling, rolling in our ministry back, and this was probably 15, 17 years ago. And I was called up, and... Uh, the man in charge of the service said, the Lord told me to anoint your feet for the calling that you have in your ministry. And there was a powerful anointing that was flowing that night. So uh, there was a releasing and a recognition to the general body of Christ that we were called to do this. We were affirmed by other men. So if you're called to be a an apostle, there will be affirmation of others. And there will be affirmation because you have fruit in your ministry. And that's, that's a great way to see if it works or it doesn't. <laughs> Is there fruit? Are people getting blessed? Are people getting helped? Uh, apostles have signs that accompany their ministry too. Paul talked about that. Second Corinthians chapter 12, 12. He says, when I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle. For I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. So there was a confirmation by the Holy Spirit. Through the years, there have been confirmation. I'm, I'm not just bragging. I'm trying to tell you how this works practically, okay? One time we were in a service getting ready to preach, and, uh, and, and I was getting out of the shower, and I was just minding my own business, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, after, uh, I want you to sing a particular song tonight. I sang back in those days. And uh, when you do, tell the people if they need healing for anything, at that point, tell them that, that the anointing of healing is going to begin to flow. And they can receive their healing when you're singing that song. And I said, okay, Lord. And then he told me in particular, he said, there's going to be somebody there that's going to have a liver problem. And I want you, or I'm going to heal that person with a liver problem. Liver problem. And I got that in my spirit. So I, I went to church and I did what the Lord told me to do. And, I, <clears throat> and before I, I sung, I said, now you just receive your healing as I'm singing this song. The anointing is going to flow, la da 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 After I got done that night, I'm standing at the front talking to some other people. And there's a lady that comes start walking toward me. And uh, I, could, I looked at her, and she was yellow. Her skin was like yellow, and she was real thin. And she said, uh, she said Brother Ken, I believe tonight that when you, you uh, what you did, I believe God healed me. She said, I have this liver issue. I take 50 different enzyme tablets every day, and I'm in line to receive a liver transplant. 
but I believe God touched my liver tonight. And I said, well, cool. I said, now, listen, I would, I would, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to not just, you know, maybe go to the doctor to confirm that. I was trying to help her not do something stupid. Because if, listen, if the Holy Spirit heals you, that doesn't mean you do something, well, to prove I'm healed. I won't take any more enzymes the rest of my life. Some people have done that. Well, I believe God is going to heal my eyes, so I'm throwing my glasses away. Well, if he tells you to throw your glasses away, okay. But then if he doesn't, you're just going to have some busted up glasses. You're going to be wandering around walking into walls, you know. See, and I'd be, you know, just because that does, that's not a, a proof that you got healed just because you do something. The proof of the pudding is what happened, right? So I told that lady that. Well, uh, I saw her later, a couple of days later. And when she comes up to me and she is beaming, she said, I went to the doctor. I told the doctor that I'd been in a service and Jesus healed my liver two nights ago. And the doctor went, oh, yeah, right. So he did a test on her. He walked, he left, comes back in the room, sits down and looks at her. She says, he says, we're going to have to do this test again. Something is messed up. So they did the testing again. He comes back in the room, sits down, was quiet, just looked at her for a minute, said, I don't know what happened, but your liver has normalized. Jesus healed that lady's liver. He does that. Her name is Elizabeth Whiteholder. I still see her on Facebook today. Still alive today. Her skin is not yellow anymore. Isn't that good? Amen. God wants to do things like that. Uh, so Paul also gives the warnings about false apostles. Yeah, there's warnings about this. Let's read this. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. Am I helping anybody? We're talking about the, the ministry gifts that are to equip the church. Paul says, these people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserves. So there, there's, there's a warning about just trying to do this on your own. It's not going to work, and it'll get you in trouble. So true apostles plant and establish new works and sound doctrine for the Lord. False apostles tear up works with division, strife, and wrong teaching. True apostles establish their work with humility. True apostles may not even tell you they are apostles. Apostles are not elevated to a position of authority to rule over people. They're not just after financial gain and covetousness. Apostles submit to leadership and are connected to church leadership. Trudy and I, when we traveled, we always submitted to pastors everywhere we went. We always had a church home that we operated out of because I submit to other preachers. I'm, I'm not something on a stick, okay? I realize that. I have some of that calling. I don't want you to start calling me Apostle Ken, okay? I'm not talking about that. No, I'm just, but I am talking about these are legit callings, and God confirms them. So how are we doing on time? Let me see. So I still got 40 minutes. All right. Uh, the last verse, Brandon, was Second uh, Corinthians eleven thirteen, speaking of the false apostles. Okay, got it? All right, let's move on. Prophets. What about prophets? Simply, a prophet, you can look this word up in your concordance, is a seer. They see things. They see things. They see into the spirit. They see things for ministry when they have this gifting. And let me just throw this out. Just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. Because we can all prophesy. Prophesying is not, it also is not telling people their future. 
prophesying can be it's for edification exhortation and comfort that's what pro- true prophecy does it edifies you or builds you up uh exhorts you or an exhortation is somebody telling you something to do that you already know but you need to be encouraged in it right and for comfort it comforts you but so we can all prophesy but that doesn't mean you're a prophet and some sometimes people get into this kind of deal uh understand this prophets in the are different in the old covenant and the new covenant in the old testament the prophet was the only ministry operating the prophets were the mouthpiece of god most of the time they prophesied to kings and priests and leaders. They didn't prophesy to the common man that much. You study Jeremiah and Isaiah. It was always to the nation of Israel. And there was correction and, and prophetic about something's going to come if you don't get this right. If you get it right, it won't. But, you know, and that's kind of the prophecy, prophecy of the time in those Old Testament books. Uh, the Holy Spirit would come upon them, remember, and then leave. Come upon them for a, a moment. Uh, to prophesy he didn't abide in the old testament too if prophets missed it they could be stoned yeah old testament it's tough that that, help, that makes you go okay let me make sure i heard from god on that one because you could be rocked to death if you didn't serious stuff so in the new testament it's different in the new testament prophets are not to lead believers you are not to be led by prophets I'm going to say that again. You're not to be led by prophets. There was years ago, 40 years ago, there was a lady in Muskogee, Oklahoma, that was like, dial a prophet. And you would dial this lady up. I'm telling you the truth. I knew some people got into this, and it hurt them. And they would, uh, and you would say, I have this situation. What is the Lord saying? And she would tell you what she thought the Lord was saying. You know, it sounds good. I mean, hey, man, I don't have to pray. I just go to this lady on the phone. Dial a prophet. But then I heard about a, a, an older gentleman who was 60 years old. And uh, he, I think his situation was, I, I want to go into the ministry. And I'm praying about this. Does the Lord say that I should retire five years early? Which means he cut, his pension was cut like in half. He worked for the government in a government job. His pension was cut in half if he retired five years early. And, and Dollar Prophet said, yes, the Lord says you were supposed to do that. To, you know, and so he did. But the thing was, I knew this guy. As he got older, no ministry doors really opened up for him. And now his, his money's cut in half, and he's older, and he's struggling financially. And listen, that, the proof, there was no proof. They didn't work. So it was wrong. We're not to be led by prophets, folks. Prophetic words are to be judged. If somebody walks up to you and says, the Lord tells me so-and-so and so-and-so, you have every right to go, okay, well, you know what? That's not right. And you listen in your heart. And if it doesn't bear witness, and I've had people give me bad prophecies. And bad prophecies are dangerous. Because people listen to that and then they act and they can be hurt. We need to be responsible for these things. Very careful. In fact, if I feel like I have something for somebody, I, here's kind of the way I approach them. You know what? I was praying about this. And this may not be right. I don't know. If it doesn't bear witness, you throw this away. But so and so and so and so. But if that doesn't work for you, then see that's the way this ought to be. It can your prophecy can be uh, judged and 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 it's okay to take it apart and analyze it. And if it doesn't work, throw it away. Right. First Corinthians fourteen twenty nine. This is talking about public prophecy, but Paul tells us let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. And this is talking about prophets in a service. 
So there are different classes of prophets today than the early prophets. Uh, Paul was a foundational prophet. Here's some of the attributes of a prophet. A prophet is a preacher and a teacher, first of all. Jesus, of course, is the foundational prophet, but he just didn't go around prophesying to everybody. But he, he prophesied the word, okay? So it's not just thus saith the Lord all the time, but it, it is you're preaching the word. The prophet has gifts of the spirit that operate, operate through him to confirm his word. Prophets speak also from inspirational moments. They're more inspired. They will have divinely inspired speaking. In order to be accurate, they need to pray and seek the Lord. A ministry gift prophet is inspired to speak at a moment, and it will be obvious that there is a different depth in the prophecy they give. Trudy and I operate in, in this kind of apostle, if you will, prophet. Trudy's got a lot of these things about a prophet on her, my wife. Uh, and uh, sometimes she, when she gives a prophecy and it's came, it came from God, you know it. She's done it here before. Like in worship nights, she'd get up and have a word. And when that happens, when somebody's really heard from God and there's depth, you can feel it. You, it bears witness with you. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, and, and, and then uh, prophets see particular things. Uh, for instance, and maybe just things concerning your life and your family. Doesn't mean you're necessarily, if, you're, if you have that prophet touch on your life. I'll say that because there's different degrees of, of being a prophet. Uh, like, like with our family, Trudy's seen all the grandkids before they were born. She's, what I mean, she saw them coming. Uh, like she saw that our first granddaughter was going to be real exuberant and and the lord told her she'll be marked by joy and she has been our oldest granddaughter uh he saw like she saw before josh's kids were born she saw that gus she the lord gave her that the name said that now when he's born he's going to be a little boy the lord told her that before he was uh before he was conceived i think and he's going to be you name him trailblazer that's going to be his his thing that he'll do in life. She saw uh, another, then she saw a little girl with dark hair and curly hair, and that was Bo, Josh's second one. And then uh, right before Sonny was born, who's the youngest one, uh, the Lord told her there's going to be a little girl coming, and she's going to be a light. You're going to see light on her. And they named her Sonny, not just because of that, but that, that's her name. And if you know Sonny, that's Sonny. She's just l full of light and love and smiling and just wonderful but Trudy in the spirit sees particular things and that's what prophets do uh, but prophets once again they do not direct the lives of people that's not what a prophecy does or a prophet does that's called fortune telling and we're not fortune tellers this is we're talking about prophecy uh, first Thess Thessalonians 5 20 says do not despise prophecies well why would somebody despise prophecy says test all things hold fast what is good it's because they had a bad one if you and that's people have been hurt by bad prophecy and people have even thrown up their hands and given up on god through bad prophecy folks we got to be responsible about these things uh you know sometimes uh well let me read the next scripture first corinthians 14 3 but he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification exhortation and comfort i quoted that scripture before uh, and once again, God, just because you prophesy doesn't mean you're a prophet. Oh, what was I about to say? And I think I lost it. But anyway, that's the basics for the office of a prophet. We need prophets today. Prophets point direction for the future. We just need to be understand you can judge and you can 
certain prophet somebody says something that was prophesied it was amazing to me after the election how many preachers were prophesying anybody know what i'm talking about that it's not going to happen the former president's going back in office strongly prophesying that a lot of people and you know what it didn't happen just didn't happen okay so we have to be careful and responsible with prophets and if it doesn't bear witness you know anything that is somebody says to you you can do this on anything no matter who it is check on the inside of you does that bear witness does that gel with me and you can learn to do that on the inside of you is the holy spirit once again and he's there to help and, and comfort you and help you navigate through this thing called life so we need prophets number three is pastors let's talk about pastors for a minute i believe with all my heart the number one thing the lord wants to do is build lo strong local churches and uh, local churches have to function with pastors in charge we need pastors uh, Jesus was the ultimate pastor. Matthew 9.35. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom and healed every kind of disease and illness. Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus was a shepherd and he was bothered when people were hurting. And that's a true pastor. Pastor care, A pastor and a pastor's heart cares about the sheep. Luke 15, verse 4. Suppose Jesus preaching, Luke 15, 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he, until he finds it? Think about that. There's a heart of a pastor. You got a hundred sheep and you got 99, but you lose one. And Jesus goes after the one that was lost, goes after the lost sheep, and he keeps on looking until he finds it. I love that because it reminds me of me. How that I, I professed Jesus when I was 11 years old. And, and I really meant to serve God, but as I grew up and became a teenager, the glitz of the world had more draw. And I fell into sin, and I got totally away from God. And then I got married, and I got a great wife who got saved and began to pray for me. I told this story a couple of weeks ago. And uh, because of her prayers, the Holy Spirit began to work on me. It was so cool. I look back on it now. He began to draw me. Jesus left the 99 and went after the one. He went after me. I can stand up here before you today and say, I proudly hold my head up, say, Jesus loves me because he came after me. I didn't go looking for him. He came after me. Really, he came after you the same way. It wasn't just your great grand idea to get saved and serve God. It doesn't work that way. He put that in your heart. Jesus said nobody can come to the Father unless he be drawn by the Holy Spirit. So you were drawn. The Holy Spirit was drawing me because of my wise prayers. Then the Holy Spirit drew you too. Isn't that awesome? That's why you're here this morning. And you want to learn more about God. And you're, you're one of his sheep and he loves you just like Jesus does. I just love that. Verse 5, and when he finds it, the shepherd, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home and he calls his friends and neighbors together and says rejoice with me i found my lost sheep when you got saved there was a party in heaven and god jesus went around and said you know what that yeah yeah they got saved come on let's celebrate they do that in heaven i believe with all my heart they do jesus comes after people one at a time and that's what a pastor does pastors oversee local congregations with the heart of jesus 
The shepherd lives and with and loves the sheep. And a true pastor has a shepherd's heart that cares about the sheep. Uh, Ephesians chapter, excuse me, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 5. This is the heart of God, and this is the heart of a, of a pastor. Uh, it says, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Verse 6, my sheep wandered through all the mountains on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. That's a picture of the world right now. Isn't that sad? What's going on in the world right now? This, uh, 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 what, is, what is the term that they're using right now that's popular? That I am de deconstructing. And, and Christians are doing that. I'm deconstructing. Some, somebody came up in the prayer line about a month ago to Trudy, and they said, well, I'm just deconstructing right now. And, and what they're doing is they're questioning everything they've ever known. And there's so much scattering, and, and the enemy is doing, he's trying to wreak havoc on people right now. You understand that? And sin is like the nastiest sin ever. And, 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 but Jesus looks at this world, and he loves them and cares about them. You know, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I'll say it again. There's two people in my neighborhood that I'm led by the Spirit to pray for. One of them is named Asif, and one of them is named uh, Tran. He's trans-Vietnamese. And I'm getting to know these guys. Pretty soon I'm going to ask them to go out to coffee with me and I'm, because why I want to bring Jesus to them because one of them is a Buddhist and one of them is a Muslim. And that's not the right God. That's not God. And God, but it's so cool because God has... There's a, my heart goes out to them every time I see them. I nearly start weeping sometimes when I see them. And I walk the dog in the neighborhood, and I think about him, and I pray the scripture over him. You wait. Those guys are going to get saved. So, but that's a shepherd. We care about the sheep. Uh, without local shepherds with the right heart, sheep run wild. Here's the thing about sheep. Christians are likened unto sheep, right? Here's the thing about sheep. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals that there are. I raised pigs when I was in. <laughs> Thank you, Brent, for that confirmation. <laughs> Brent, yes, we are. Uh, I raised pigs, and you would look at a pig and a sheep. You know, sheep are a little cuddly, sweet looking. And pigs, you know, snout. And you'd think pigs are dumber than sheep. Just think of it, but they're not. Pigs are much smarter than sheep. I learned that uh, when I was raising pigs, you could put feed out for pigs, and they would eat until they got full, and they'd stop. But sheep will eat and eat. You gotta just you gotta just give them so much food, or they'll just eat until they founder and roll over and f swell up and die. And they're crazy. They're sh they're they need a lot of help. I uh, I'm talking about me. I'm a sheep too. I, I read this uh, this thing one time about an article in a in, in a Arab newspaper that said headline first one and then the other, and it's about some shepherds that had their flocks of sheep. Uh, and they, they all came together. And so the shepherds want to take a break and go into a cafe and eat and left their sheep on the outside. But there, there was a cliff over here that, you know, was a cliff that you could fall off of. And so the sheep go over there and begin to jump off the cliff to their death. I mean, can you imagine what the a sheep goes over and says, huh, look at that cliff over there. Hey, guys, look, there's a cliff. What would happen if I just jump off this cliff? Okay, I'm going to try. So, meh, splattered. 
And then another one goes, hey, that looks cool. I'm going to do that too. And it says, here's the, here's the article. A shepherd stopped in a cafe to eat breakfast. The shepherd were close to the cliff. They began jumping off the cliff one after another. As they piled up, the last sheep weren't killed because they landed on each other. And the blow was so- softened. The sheep died. Sheep need a lot of care. People need care, right? David proved himself to be a king of Israel because he cared for the sheep as a young man. That's a true shepherd. Shepherds care about you. First Chronicles 17, 7. Don't you love this? Because this all points to Jesus and the, the way this thing ought to be. First Chronicles 77. Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in my pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. So we need pastors. Sheep need pastors. You can't be pastored from television. You can't be pastored from the internet. <laughs> you know, I, I listen to good teachers all the time. Isn't it cool what we have now? Every morning Trudy and I get up and we start our day by sitting on our patio and listening to somebody preach a little bit and then we pray. Uh, and that's all wonderful. But you can't be pastored from from that. From good, from good books we need all that but we need a local church pastor you need a local church place that you land uh, for many many reasons we're living in a time of a click of a button you can access great teaching but when you're sick in the hospital you need personal help you need some counseling you need to be married you need to be buried you go through different chapters of life you need a family and the local church is a family you know, I, I, I'm going to prophesy to you right now. We are, there, there, is a, the, there is a rising up of the local church in our day like never before. The true church is rising up out of the ashes. The true church will arise, and the Lord will anoint it for the purpose and the time. For surely, says the Lord, I will negate what the enemy's trying to do. For surely, I am bringing up a church with power and with authority. And my glory will be seen. My glory will be seen on my church. And people that have a heart will look and say, I need to be a part of that. I need help. There will be many that will walk away, but there will be many that will stream into churches who are carrying out my gospel. And that's what I would say, says the Lord. Amen. That was a prophecy. So the local church is like a family. The pastor's like the father. Uh, and And... and pastors pastor from the anointing that they have to pastor for instance you ever been sitting in a service and you just felt like the pastor was reading your mail and you're thinking how does he know that about he's talking to me directly that's a gift of a pastor and that's why you need to come to church regularly like every sunday you need to come to church or saturday night no you need to come saturday night that's when we need to come (laughs) but but, you know, one time, I'll give you an example. One time I'm sitting in church, and just sitting in church, minding my own business, young, knew I was called into ministry, didn't know exactly what to do at that point in my life, and I had a family with a little baby girl, and I was working in this bad, dead-end job, kind of knowing that I was going to go into ministry, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. And uh, one day a lady was cutting my hair on Saturday, and this lady began to talk to me. I lived in Texas, and she began to tell me about a new... Uh, grant program the state of texas was offering where if you wanted to go to some kind of trade school uh welding school barber school beauty school whatever you could do that and the government would pay for your grant they pay you to go to school 
And so she's talking about, and I didn't think much about that that day. I thought really not much about it. But I'm sitting in church the next day. And as I'm sitting there, the pastor's preaching. And the Holy Spirit came on me so strong. And the Lord said, if you want to go to barber school, I will bless it. Just like that. I mean, just like, why? And the pastor's just preaching. And so I leaned over and I said to Trey, I said, honey, the Lord just spoke to me. She said, well, shut up and pay attention. He's <laughs> preaching right now. Yes, ma'am. So we got in the car and I said, listen, I, this is what the Lord said. And I told her about the lady who told me what she'd said about the grant. And she said, do you want to be a barber? She said, you never a acted like you're interested in that. And I said, yes, I think I do. I said, yeah, I'm, there's an anointing that's coming on me to barber. Let me see your hair. I mean, no, I didn't do that. Yeah, no. Sometimes she lets me touch her hair, but yeah. Her hair is pretty special. Yeah, yeah, Bobby. Uh, but so the so there's a there's a trade school in our town that you go apply for the grant. So the next day Monday I go to the school and I walk in and I'm in line and I'm gonna apply for this grant and a guy walks out of the office. There's a lady, one lady on the desk and there's like six people, and this guy walks out of the office and he looks at me just like just looks at me and I you know kind of backed up and he said what what are you here for? I said well I want to apply for a grant. He said come here. So I go into this guy's office. I found out later he was the president of the school. He said, what do you want to do? He filled my papers out. He said, uh, he said I'm going to send this in, and I'll get this back a lot earlier. And he said, we'll get this approved and, and so we can start school. I mean, just the favor of God just landed on me. I went to school for 12 months. I got my barber's license, and I opened up my own shop. And the first week of, of running my own shop, I made twice the income that I had made in that dead-end job. I did that for four years until God opened up the door for me to, uh, you know, go into ministry full time, which was I've been doing that for 40 plus 41 years. But that's an anointed pastor that the Lord speaks to you as you're sitting in church. You need to come to church with not just I'm going to hear the message, but Lord, I'm going to hear from you. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Lord, help me. I need your help today. You're going to direct me. That's the way church is supposed to work. Isn't that cool? So. Uh, uh, the pastor cares for the sheep. He feeds the sheep. He corrects the sheep. We need correction from time to time. He doctors the sheep. He is anointed by God. The pastor governs the body spiritually and naturally. Uh, there are different types of church government out there, I know, but here's, what, uh, here's one thing I've observed. The only, let me just read this. I don't know it all, but in my observation, the churches that accomplish the greatest have a strong God-called pastor with a vision and passion from heaven that makes the final decisions for the correction of the church. I think that's God's way. There may be different elders and deacons and pastoral staff. That and, and, but, and listen, this church, I've been around a while, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag. Our, we have the most incredible staff of people that God's called together. People that have come together like through all different kinds of ways, like David Terry, the way he followed Josh and Pastor Josh and Sarah when they moved to Oklahoma City. Jackson Wilson's one of them. They worked with him in, in, uh, in Dallas when he was at Gateway Church. They were drawn to him. Others were drawn, like Casey Bush moved here. He's a big part of the leadership of this church. Uh, people like, like uh, Tondaron Ashley just came out of nowhere. And just, they've been here nearly since the beginning, but they, all this stuff was in them and it's just now coming out of them. You guys are such great leaders. So appreciate you. Aren't they awesome? Give them a hand. Yeah, come on. They're bringing things uh, to.
to the body. That's the way it works, but it's all under the leadership of pastor. That's the lead pastors. We got to have the lead pastor, right? Pastors are called by uh, Jesus. Pastoral calling must be proven. Galatians 6, 4 says, But let every man prove his own work, and then he shall have rejoicing in himself and not another. So there's a proving time before you get, come into what God has for you. You know, I'm pretty familiar with the foundations and callings of New Song Church. Uh, I remember when Josh, of course, is my son. He was raised in our house. I remember the stages of his life. I remember the day, and I think he was about 14 maybe, and I went to him and I said, Josh, you know what? It's real important that you get the right wife. And you need to get some scripture and start believing God for the right girl in your life. Right now, while you're young. So we talked about it, and he did. We got some scripture, and he began to pray every day and believe God for his wife. Well, he graduates from high school, didn't really date much, and he's involved in our youth group in, in church in Tulsa. I was, a, I was a worship leader there. And so uh, the story goes that somebody came to him one day and said, there's a little girl in the youth group that, uh, told somebody else that she had a dream that she married you and so josh goes really he said show who is this girl i want to see wh what she looks like so he sees sarah for the first time so he walks up to sarah and just <laughs> the first time he ever talked to her he said so i hear you had a dream that you married me <laughs> here's little sarah she looks up at him with her little boldness that she has right now says yes i did and that's the way they met and they began hanging out a little bit and then they got married so he, he met Sarah, who had that dream, and they got married. And then Josh had a couple of prophetic words that he was going to be a pastor when he was a teenager. And I remember the day before they got married, we're sitting in our kitchen talking. And uh, not, he didn't know he was going to be a pastor. He knew he was called into ministry, but he didn't know what that was going to look like. And so we're sit he's sitting on the floor. I can still see it right now. And I said, uh, you're going to get married the next day. Big day, right? I said, so Josh, what do you think God's called you to do? And he said, I'm not sure dad and i said do you think he's called you to pastor i said that and he says it's like it gelled he said yes i think he has yeah it's a moment you know god moment isn't that cool so they got married he worked in youth ministry in tulsa he and sarah both worked did administrative work for us in my ministry for i think four or five years sarah worked for me for a long time then she got too big she won't do it anymore but anyway uh <laughs> They worked at Children's Pastors in Dallas. They were prophesied at, during that time by very credible leadership about their calling. And then they stepped out in faith, and they moved to Oklahoma City, not knowing exactly where they'd be planning. I mean, they just went, <gasps> okay, let's go. No guarantees. M moved to Oklahoma City. Don't know many people here. Don't know any people here, really, except the ones that had, were moving with them. Uh, but they, they had a plan, and they had a vision. I remember Josh had been in Tulsa one night, and we had been recording some kids' music. He helped me uh, do all the kids' music that we did that still is out there today, kids' praise and worship music. And he was driving home that night, and he got a vision out of Psalm 46 for the church. And the, the statement, we want to help people know God, came to him that night. So he began to have an active vision. And, uh, you know, the big reason we know they heard from God is because it's working. There's fruit being born, right? So... Uh, how am I doing on time, guys? Okay. Ten minutes. All right. So we're wrapping it up. I'm doing good. Uh, a lot of times pastors also will have other gifts in their equipment. I'm just going to kind of talk about them. I think, I think it's good for us to understand. Uh, they are de definitely have that apostolic thing on them because they planted a church out of nothing. 
So th- there's some apostle on him. They're definitely teachers. They both have an obvious gift to break down and teach the word. Uh, they're evangelists. They operate in evangelism. Uh, the gift of evangelism because people get saved at this church and lives are being transformed. Uh, Sarah, in particular, is prophetic. She picks up on things prophetically. Uh, they operate in some spiritual gifts. The gift of faith. It took the gift of faith to plant a church. The gift of faith. We'll talk about this uh, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit. But the gift of faith is different than just regular faith. Just living, believing God, faith. You know, you get up, you walk by faith, not by sight. But the gift of faith is a supernatural gifting that comes on you to do something extraordinary that you couldn't do without it. And that's, you have to have that to plant a church. Uh, they prophesy. They, they get words of wisdom and words of knowledge. I've seen them in staff choices uh, uh, draw on that. And the Lord speak to them and, and lead them to particular people that may not everybody else see that there was a gifting there, but they were led to see that. They operate in healing. So uh, I'm going to read you just some qualifications for ministry uh, gifts that are very clear in Scripture. Turn to First Timothy 3, and I'm going to read a few Scriptures here, and we're going to begin wrapping this up. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Five-fold ministry. This is what the church is built on. These are the gifts that, that, that ministry for the body springs out of, and we need these gifts. They're supernatural gifts of God that He has ordained into the church. First uh, Timothy 3, 1, Paul is talking. And he says, this is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder or a pastor, he desires an honorable position. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of the house of God? An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Just because you're gifted to preach doesn't mean you're ready to be an elder, right? There's a proving, as we've talked about. And then verse 7, also people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Uh, so these are some qualifications. That's a five-fold ministry. We don't, we're not going to get into the evangelist and the teacher that much. I think they're more, we've kind of touched on them. They're more self-explained. Uh, uh, an evangelist is one that, that easily wins people to the Lord. Uh, you can have evangelists that travel. You can also have, I believe, evangelists in local churches that are planted in a church and people get saved. They just have that gift. And then a teacher is this so many different variations of this, but teachers have unique ability to break the word down in a way that people can go, oh, that's how that works. That's how that's supposed to work. It's a it's the d- dissemination of the word that people can get and grasp and go. And, and hopefully you has anybody learned anything this morning that you feel like you didn't know anybody besides Bobby. Help me out here, okay? <laughs> is this helpful to anybody? We got five, we got six minutes. Can I open this up for any questions? Is that okay? Anybody have any questions? Something maybe was not clear about what I talked about? Anybody? Is there anything that's totally clear? 
Man, all right. It's a roll. Right on. Praise God. It's uh, it, it's cool when you you know something about this and you see this operating in people. Supernatural. You know, as a father, you love your kids, right? And you know them as kids from their babies. And then they get married and they're just young. They're still babies, you know. But then it's there's nothing like, because I'm in the ministry too, watching my kids make calls and do things. And you're going, hmm, wow, that's more than my kids now. That's God working through people. There's nothing like seeing God work through people. See, in this whole body of Christ thing, we need the Holy Spirit to empower us because we want to see God working in people's lives. And people uh, walking through life and challenges come to all of us. But we, we win. We always get. The Bible says, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. The will of God, no matter what you're facing today, with understanding something about the gifts and how they operate and then how God operates by the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to empower you to get past things. Get past things, right? Hallelujah. We always do that. Yes, sir, Scott, you got a question? Yeah. So true. Oh, that's good. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's gotten a bad rap. And some people have seen something weird. You know, we're very responsible when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and your prayer language. We don't want that. People have had weird experiences with that. So we don't want to try to push that on somebody. We want to teach you. Because we believe it's so important, and yet it's you flow with it in your timing, you know. We're careful not to push that, and yet if we don't have the Holy Spirit, folks, what can we do? We're just alone out here trying to have church. A lot of churches do that, and a lot of dead churches out there right now. But I think something's rising. I do think it, and the, the prophetic word said that. God's working on people. There's going to be a glorious church in the end. I'll close with that. What does that mean? There's going to be a church rise up that people are going to say they like it or not. Some won't, but they, that, that's the church. That's what it's supposed to be, right? So thank you guys for coming this morning. You want to say something, Pastor Tondra? All right. Thank you guys so much. Wasn't that great? Okay. So, yes. Thank you, Pastor Ken. Um, so this class is available online also. So if you weren't quick enough to write notes that sometimes you're listening and you're writing and then you didn't catch something, it's going to be available online also, newsongpeople.com forward slash discipleship. So you'll be able to follow through with that again. Um, can you open that? Because I wrote some notes, things that I want to announce. Okay. So if, if you notice in your workbook, they're split into two sessions. There's a session one and a session two. Um, and, and I told Pastor Ken to just blaze through and just go because there's a lot to cover. So I hope you caught that. 
that there's a session one and a session two. So sometimes the class will have that flow where you have a break. So I, I just want you to be uh, aware of that. And, 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 and sometimes it's just easier just to go through the whole thing. And then finally, uh, once we are done here, I'm going to ask all the guys if you can remain behind and help me with stacking some chairs uh, because we're about to do the planted uh, uh, reception, the, the open house in here. So I'm going to ask if you can uh, help me out with that. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow your heads. At the end of this session, and I hope you can make the last session, which is session four, okay? We want to do some anointing. People that are called into these ministry gifts, we want to do some anointing. So even as your head is bowed and your eyes closed right now, I want you to be connecting with the Lord and asking the Lord to talk to you and tell you which of these ministry gifts you sense that you're calling to. If you're not, that's that's perfectly okay. But if you have a strong sense that I'm calling to one of these, we want there to be an anointing so that you can have a room and a place to express the call. Because there's no sense in having it, but never having an opportunity to use the gifts. So I want you to be thinking about that. And I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to close it. But I'm letting you to begin the process today. As you hear each gift from each class, be thinking, is that me? Lord, guide me. So there's not going to be a test that tells you this is the gift that you flow in. You need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and he's the one who will tell you and guide you into the place you go. Father, I thank you that in this room are pastors, evangelists, prophets, apostles, and teachers. And I pray that you would begin to speak to each and every single one of them in a way that they would hear you and understand you so that they would move in the direction that you have called. I thank you that you are planting a seed. And some seeds have already been growing and germinating. And I pray, God, that you begin to water them. And as you water them, there's a surety and a confidence to the place in which each and every single one of us is called. Not for fanciful calling, not to brag, but to be able to use within our time so as the word is confirmed of the rising of the church in our time. I thank you, Father, for all of us in here that as we leave this place, that we consider to ponder, to muse on the words that we have heard today, and they, may, they begin to ignite something in us that will bear fruit and fruit that lasts. We thank you and honor you for your love, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Dismissed.